Hey there, I'm Tyler, the author and host of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. The original recording of this episode wasn't quite adequate enough, so I've re-recorded it and labeled it with the term Redux. It's a true workhorse of an episode now, and believe me, it's much better than it was. Enjoy. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 1 Lothor Fink and Floyd stood over the lifeless body of a young woman. They and the rest of Oz would eventually come to know as Dorothy Gale. She was thin, in her twenties, and dressed in a pair of blue jeans with a form-fitting but not tight black shirt with the words, Lost at Sea, printed on the chest. Her face was covered by her now disheveled, shoulder-length black hair. Underneath her hair, though, was a very pretty young woman, a smooth complexion, and dark green eyes with a nose perfectly proportionate and symmetrical to the rest of her face. Floyd looked at Fink. Then he looked up and saw the hole in the ceiling, through the next floor, and through the roof. Do you think she's dead? he asked. Fink just looked at her, worried that they, no, Floyd, was somehow responsible for this young girl's death. I don't know. I hope not. But... How do you tell? She has to be dead, replied Floyd, certainty in his voice. No one can survive a fall like that. What do you think we should do now? What makes you think I would know what to do? asked Fink, sounding increasingly worried. We could get Lothor, I suppose, said Floyd. Fink just looked at him. We are definitely not getting Lothor. Why not? Floyd asked. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because Lothor is a damned rapist, said Fink. You're still upset about that? One time, one time, and suddenly he's labeled a rapist? asked Floyd. <laughs> One time is all it takes. One rape makes a person a rapist, Fink screamed. Not to mention the necrophilia. First of all, he brought that poor boy back to life. So, he wasn't really dead, which means it wasn't really necro- Do you hear yourself when you talk? Or is it just some kind of strange music to your ears? Fine. No Lothor. 
So what, then? Fink looked around and noticed the shovel sitting by the front door. We'll take her out. Somewhere far away from here. We'll bury her where no one, not even Lothor, will find her. She can rest peacefully out in the fields. Floyd nodded in agreement. Together they grabbed the young woman by the legs and began to drag her toward the door. Dorothy could not open her eyes. She did not have the strength. Her body hurt all over. She could hear voices, but could only make out a few words here and there. Dead. Lothor. Rapist. Rape. Necrophilia. Take her. Bury her. No one. Find her. It was not until she felt a small pair of hands on her left leg and a second pair on her right leg that she came back around to full consciousness. Her eyes opened wide, and she let out a gasp and a scream. She looked up and saw two queer little men pulling her through the rubble of what was at one time her home. She kicked and screamed as the men dropped her legs and ran screaming for the door themselves. Dorothy climbed to her feet and stepped back, putting distance between her and her possible soon-to-be rapist necrophiliac killer gravediggers. Looking around, she found a small steak knife lying next to the smashed kitchen table that broke her fall. She picked it up and held it out in front of her as she watched the peculiar men trying to flee the house. She stumbled backward once more, and nervously shook as the men stopped dead in their tracks. A strange creature appeared at the door, herding the small men back into the house like tiny cows. Lothor, one of the men said, backing away and trying to keep distance himself. Fancy seeing you here, said the other one nervously, also backing away. Lothor was a strange creature. He walked on four bony, spider-like legs that appeared to have more joints than necessary, cracking and popping with each step. His body was small and consisted of little arms and a little torso. His head was a near-featureless ball of flesh with nothing more than two beady little eyes and a set of thin lips for a mouth. Dorothy looked at him with disgust, fear, and curiosity. She waved the knife around. Don't come any closer. I swear to Christ, I will not go down without a fight. She said this, but in all reality, she would go down without a fight. Despite her pseudo-rocker, I'm a tough girl, look. She was still, at heart, a farm girl, and a squeamish one at that. She had never killed anything more than a squirrel that had run out in front of her car, and even then she felt horrible about it for days. She was not going to hurt Lothor, 
because she had no real fighting skills and no intention of hurting anything or anyone, even out of self-defense. As her Uncle Henry used to say, Dorothy was a lover, not a fighter. Lothor stopped and looked at her. After looking her up and down, he began to transform before her very eyes. His legs paired up and grew together, turning into long, fleshy, recognizably humanoid legs. His little arms grew out longer, but remained as thin as they were before the transformation. His nailless fingers grew to unevenly long lengths and cracked as they bent and stretched. His torso grew longer, and his legs grew shorter. His head sprouted long, wavy white hair. The flesh on his face began to morph into something a little less grotesque as a small nose pressed out and formed slightly off-center and crooked beneath his black eyes. His face sunk in, forming a chin and cheeks, though his head was still somewhat shaped like a potato. Once the transformation was complete, Lothor stood before her, a strangely featureless, asexual being. Don't worry, he said with a grin stretching across his misshapen face. His voice was deep and syrupy, the words slowly dripping from his mouth with an accent that Dorothy could not quite place. I am here to help you. I sometimes forget how off-putting my appearance can be to outsiders. He continued as he moved past Fink and Floyd. As for these two, they could not hurt you even if they wanted to. Munchkins are unable to hurt people. That's why they have so many violent thoughts. In fact, the only thing a munchkin can hurt is a feral beast. They can't even hurt someone out of self-defense. He turned his head to look at Fink and Floyd. Sad, really, when you think about it. He stopped about halfway to Dorothy and looked down at the floor. A hand was sticking up through the boards, a shiny silver ring on one finger. He tilted his head a little in admiration before looking back at Dorothy. He continued to move toward her and extended a long bony arm, and with it a large hand with long spindly fingers. I am Lothor. And what might your name be, child? Dorothy cautiously and reluctantly extended her normal human arm and human hand out to meet his and shook. My name is Dorothy. Gale. Dorothy Gale, she said as she lowered her free, knife-wielding hand to her side. 
she felt a strange sense of calmness fall over her, like a relaxing cool sheet on a hot summer's day as she looked into this strange man's eyes. Well, Dorothy Gale, Lothor said, loosening his grip on her and retracting his hand. I suppose a thank you is in order. Uh, thank you? For what? She could not imagine a reason for a thank you to be in order from this strange being, or from the two little men who just a little bit ago wanted to bury her. For killing Mombi, of course. The wicked witch of the East. He had a large grin on his face as he gestured to the hand sticking out of the floor. She was shocked and appalled. I didn't kill anyone. I've never killed anyone. I, I, I never, I mean... What? No need to worry, said Floyd. She was evil. Pure and simple. Evil. Lothor smiled at Dorothy. This is your house, is it not? Yes, but your house fell on to that witch. He pointed again to the hand. That's just as good as if you personally ended that foul hag's life with your own bare hands. Dorothy pulled up a chair next to the debris that was once the kitchen table and sat down speechless. Lothor raised a hand slightly, and the table unbroke itself, becoming good as new once again. With his other hand, he motioned forward ever so slightly, flinging Fink from one end of the room to where he was standing and mimed the act of breaking a stick, causing Fink to bend over on hands and knees. Lothor took his munchkin seat and looked across the table at Dorothy. Dorothy Gale, he said. Where is it you blew in from? Can Kansas, she replied, still somewhat nervous. Lothor looked at her confused and confounded. Can Kansas. Just Kansas, Dorothy corrected. Hmm. I can't say that I've ever heard of that territory, Lothor continued. But being here in the gray fields, I'm not as familiar with the world map as I used to be. Is that Munchkinland, here in the east? This was all nonsense, thought Dorothy. Munchkinland? What the hell was Munchkinland? No, it's United States of America land. Lothor looked at her, hungry for any bit of knowledge of the world outside of the greys. I cannot say that I have ever heard of this United States of America land, either. It must be relatively new. 
What is it like in this Kansas you speak of? Dorothy was confused, no longer as frightened as before, but more confused than ever. Well, it's gray. Very gray, actually. The land is flat, and, uh, and it's dusty. And the part I come from, it doesn't have a lot of people. Houses are all separated by large fields. A lot of them are, anyway. Even the people are gray. And they seem to live almost forever. To the point they forget the life they once loved. And hardly even remember themselves at times. On a clear day, though, you can look out your window, and you swear you can see from one side of the state to the other. But none of that really matters, because you know your home, and it's where you belong. She found comfort in this little description of Kansas. Reciting the words made her feel as though she was home again. Home, in the smallest sense possible. Floyd walked over to her and placed a hand on her head, moving her hair around and examining for injuries. My dear, he said, you're describing the gray fields. You must have been somewhere close to here. Dorothy swatted his hand away out of frustration. I'm not delusional. I know where I came from. I just don't know where I am, or how I got here exactly. Lothor nodded and placed a hand on the table. Dorothy watched in awe as lines began to burn and etch themselves into it. Smoke arose as the lines began to form a large map. Mountain ranges appeared here and there. Rivers flowed across the land and through it like varicose veins, and lakes spotted random areas. Countries and regions became outlined as the world became clear. Gillikin in the north, Winky in the west, Quadling in the south, and Munchkin proper in the east. It looked like an old board game meant to be played with. The outer edges of the map were labeled Gray Fields in the east, Gray Sands in the west, Blue Ocean in the south, and Gray Tundra in the north. In the very center of the map was a large, circular city labeled the Green City of Emerald, and it had roads leading to it from every direction. There were four larger cities among the smaller villages on the map as well. On the eastern side, between Emerald and the Grey Fields, was the city of Nitvis. In the west, 
between emerald and the gray sands, was the city of Ildayed. In the north, it was Elbasapmi, and in the south, it was Idnis Itsa. Lothor looked at Dorothy and made a sweeping motion with his hand toward the map. Where on this map did you blow in from, child? Dorothy looked at it. Nowhere? This, this is obviously some sort of a joke, right? <laughs> this isn't a real map. She looked at Lothor and back at the table, and again back at Lothor. He looked down at the map and drew a deep breath. Hmm. From a place beyond the edges of this map. There is only one person I know who claims the same as you. So, perhaps only one person who may be able to help you. R really? Who? Dorothy was excited. Finally, she was about to make some sort of progress, thus getting her closer to home. He is known as the Great Wizard, said Lothor. He held his hands in the air for sarcastic air quotes around the word great. He, too, claims to hail from a land beyond this map. He has been here in Oz for a very long time. Some say it is because he likes it here while others say it is because he simply can't figure out how to get back himself. Either way, he is your best chance to get back to this Kansas you speak of. Lothor slowly stood up. I guess you should gather whatever supplies you might need. Keeping in mind, you have a very long, arduous journey ahead of you. And get on your way. Floyd ran around the table and looked at Lothor. How can you be so cruel to get this girl's hopes up like that? He looked at Dorothy. There is no way out of the gray fields. Once you are here, you are here for Good. He shifted his eyes back to Lothor. You of all people know that. Lothor looked down at Floyd and made a pinching gesture with his hand, causing Floyd's mouth to shut tightly. He then clenched his hand into a fist, making Floyd's mouth disappear altogether. That is true, he said, turning his eyes back to Dorothy. But fortunately for you, there is a way. He turned and looked at the hand sticking out of the floor. Everyone else shifted their focus to it as well. Take that ring, and you will be able to travel out of the greys. In fact, you will be able to travel into and out of 
any gray area you wish. As many times as you wish. Looking at Dorothy, he gestured for her to take it. She hesitantly walked over to the hand. I don't know, she said, kneeling down, cautiously reaching for the ring. It doesn't seem right. To take it, it feels like grave robbing or something. Lothor looked at her and smiled. Believe me, that ring will do for you more in life than it will for her in death. She suddenly does not need it anymore, and you suddenly have a use for it. I suppose if you prefer, you can leave it here and live with us in the gray fields. Indefinitely. Dorothy inadvertently shuddered at the thought. She reached down and pulled the ring, but could not get it from the stiff, partially clenched hand. She gave it a harder pull, and not only pulled the ring off, but pulled the finger off as well. She let out a small, girlish scream and dropped it to the floor. The finger broke into pieces, before turning into a small pile of fine ashen dust. The hand did the same, crumbling and settling into a small pile of dust as well. She picked up the ring and admired it. It was a thin band with a clear stone, not gaudy, but not small either. Well, it is beautiful she said, cautiously placing it to the tip of her right ring finger, before sliding it on. She admired how it looked on her hand by holding it out in front of her. Ouch! she screamed, as she pulled her hand to her stomach and cringed in pain, almost falling to the floor. It was as though a thousand little teeth were clenching down on her finger, tighter and tighter. She made herself pull her hand from her stomach and looked down at it. Her finger became deep purple, and no matter how hard she tried, she could not bend it. She watched as the clear stone filled with red, and her finger regained its pale white tone. What the hell was that? Lothor did not move. It is binding he said calmly. It will hurt for a little while. But as with everything in this life, nothing is forever. And the pain you feel right now will indeed pass. He approached Dorothy and took her hand in his own. Looking at the ring, he shuddered in strange euphoric pleasure. Mm. This ring is yours now, and it will be until the day you die. May that be a long way off, of course.
Dorothy pulled her hand away. She felt slightly betrayed by the lack of warning. I'll gather my things, she said quietly as she walked past Lothor, purposely avoiding eye contact with him. Good. I will wait outside, Lothor said as he walked to the door. Fink quietly unbent and stood up and joined Floyd as they followed suit and left the house as well. Dorothy went upstairs to what was once her bedroom. It had a large hole in the ceiling and a large hole in the floor as well. There were posters of her favorite bands covering the walls like wallpaper. On the nightstand beside her bed was an old photograph in a simple wooden frame of her, her father, and her mother. Her father passed away when she was only two years old, and she was only seven when her mother passed away, leaving her in the care of her well-meaning Aunt M and Uncle Henry. She picked it up and looked at it. It not only made her sad but nostalgic for a memory that was truly fleeting. It made her sad, not because her mother was gone, but more because she did not have a lot of memories left of her, and even less of her father. With each passing day, the memories faded. With each passing year, her memories disappeared more and more altogether. Sometimes she wondered just how accurate her recollections truly were. Were the good memories real, or were they just something she dreamt, or simply wished it happened? She often neglected to reminisce out loud, in fear that someone would tell her the memory never took place. In her mind, if no one told her otherwise, the memory was true. She walked over to her closet, avoiding the large hole in the floor, and grabbed a backpack. It was large enough to store the necessities. A small blanket, a can opener, a small assortment of canned goods, a spoon, a fork, the steak knife she had planned on using in her defense earlier that day, and a half-empty box of matches. She saw Henry's binoculars sitting by the kitchen window where he used to watch the birds and placed them in the bag as well. She gave the house one more quick walkthrough, but could not think of anything else she would need, though she was sure she was missing something. It was always impossible to remember everything in a situation like this. Packed and ready as she would ever be, Dorothy walked out of her house to find Lothor standing patiently. Fink and Floyd stood behind him, Floyd still without a mouth, and Fink slightly hunched over and reaching behind himself, trying to rub his back with his stubby little arms. She looked around in awe as the gray world became colored, the sky became vibrant blue, the grass became bright green, the few trees turned brown in their trunks, and the leaves a beautiful autumn red. The strange colored clothing of the munchkins began to brighten and swell with vivid colors. Lothor, however, remained gray and colorless. The munchkins looked at Dorothy like she was crazy. 
they could not figure out what was so amazing to her. Everything was still gray to them. What is this place, exactly? asked Dorothy, as she looked around in wonder. This, my dear Dorothy, is the gray fields, said Lothor. This land used to be beautiful, until the great wizard showed up. He created the green city of Emerald by stealing all the colors from this once beautiful land. With the colors went the seasons, and with the seasons went the time. He then gave the land to the witches. It wasn't long after that. The greys became a limbo of sorts. A place for exiles. A place for anyone or anything that displeased or disrupted the peace in the land of Oz. He placed a spell on the land as well, preventing anyone from getting into or out of the greys on their own. Except Mombi. And now you, of course. He looked at Fink and Floyd. These two have been here for one hundred years, if not more, and have hardly aged even a day. Mombi, the wicked witch of the East, was the only one with the ability to come and go. He looked back at Dorothy and the ring on her finger. No one knows where she got that ring, or how it even came to be. But it is a very much coveted piece of jewelry. You killed her, so it is rightfully yours. And should anyone kill you, it will be rightfully theirs. I would not worry about that, though. Most creatures and people will probably cower before it. Dorothy wasn't sure what to think. This was a lot of information to take in. She felt overwhelmed by it all and wanted nothing more than to sit and digest it. But she knew she had to get going. So, how do I get out of the greys? she asked, trying not to sound ungrateful. The path will present itself to you, said Lothor. A beautiful yellow light will guide you on your journey. Always pointing to Emerald. He gestured for her to look behind her. You will come first to the living forest. You will not see it until you get there, but you will know it when you see it. 
She turned around and saw the grass in front of her was golden yellow, instead of green like all the other grass around her. She turned back to Lothor and Fink and Floyd. She nodded to them in thanks before turning again and walking away, leaving them in this strange, colorless land. One last thing before you go, Dorothy Gale, said Lothor. Dorothy turned and watched as out of thin air he pulled a book and a piece of paper folded into a small rectangle. He handed both to her. Deliver this book to the wizard. You will know what to do with it. And use this map. Though it is likely out of date, it will almost certainly be useful, should the path for some reason not be clear to you. He handed her the book and the map, which she promptly placed in the safety of her backpack.